0: This is the Teaching Network podcast. We're gathering student teachers to think, speak and live boldly for Jesus Christ in education. We love to talk about all things classroom, staff room, lecture theatre and life. Welcome to the conversation. Hello and welcome to the Teaching Network. This is our very first podcast podcast and I'm very excited to not just be here by myself but to have Gareth with us. Um, Gareth who are you and why are you here?
1: Hi Katie, Uh, great to be uh, with you. Um, So my name is Gareth, I'm a teacher, I live down on the south coast um, in Dorset. Um, I'm a science teacher, I teach uh, mainly biology, a little bit of psychology as well Um, and yeah I'm here to talk about teaching the life of a teacher with you
0: absolute joy thank you so much for being here uh, my name is Katie Shaw I run the teaching network uh, I've got a bit of a history as a teacher and I'm also working with the UCCF the Christian Unions at the moment helping students uh, talk about Jesus and live for him in their lives and currently doing that with teaching um, so we've uh, had a day we're recording this in the evening uh, before you've gone home from school, which I'm very thankful for. Uh, what have you been up to today? Uh, I hear you've just come from detention, but not for your, you didn't put yourself in detention.
1: <laughs> no. <clears throat> um, so it's been a it's been a bit of a day. Um, it's been a I've taught five periods out of five. I had break duty. I had morning duty, and then I finished the day with uh, the joy of joys detention duty, uh, which I only have to do about twice a year. So I never quite know what I'm doing. Um, So, you know, it's fine. You mainly just march up and down and get the kids to um, do the work that they've been set. Your best stern face. Absolutely. Sit down, turn around. Um, But today I made the fatal mistake of allowing one person to go to the toilet. uh, Mm. And a riot (laughs) almost erupted because every single person suddenly was desperate for the toilet. Um, So when I do my (laughs) detention duty again in about June time, um, I shall remember no toilet visits.
0: (laughs) I mean, that's difficult, isn't it? Because you don't want a puddle and you don't want the embarrassment for the child, but at the same time, you don't want a riot.
1: And I think the the puddle was very uh, likely with the kid that actually went to the toilet. The rest of them, I think, just saw an opportunity.
0: Yeah, dear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sorry about that. Uh, But thank you so much for being here, especially after such a busy day. That's Uh, right. It's a great
1: way to finish the day.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Uh, Can you tell me what is being talked about in the staff room at the moment?
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting, actually, at the moment. Um, We're sort of having to be quite careful about using the staff room uh, just because of of social distancing and everything. That's kind of come back in again this week. Um, But um, I I suppose one of the big things is Ofsted. Um, Ofsted recently kind of restarted all their inspections and there have been lots of big changes to the way that Ofsted are inspecting schools and that kind of thing. So I think every school in the country is desperately trying to make sure that they're... um, prepared if Ofsted were to turn up mm. um, unexpectedly. Um, and so that's been something that we've we've been talking a lot about at school as well. So lots of discussions around Ofsted.
0: Mm. That's tricky, isn't it? Because we we do want a highly qualified profession and we want to know that people are being checked up on, especially essentially, but mm. we don't want to be checked up on ourselves. And it it f- makes you feel the pressure. Even if what they're checking for is worthwhile, um, how do you deal with the pressure? Because I'm I'm aware this is for student teachers who don't just get offstedded, which may feel like a, a distant possibility currently, but actually do feel that observation every week, and probably feel that that normal teachers are being a bit pathetic. They get observations regularly, and op- an offsted only coming occasionally. Um, so how how do we deal with that pressure well?
1: Yeah, I think. I don't know if I'm unusual, but it feels controversial to say that I actually quite like what Ofsted is about. So Mm -hmm. you look at the things that they're looking for. They're looking for um, great teaching. They're looking for things that are effective, that help kids to learn. Uh, They want kids to be safe and they want them to be happy and learning well in their schools. Um, And I just think you can't like no one can have a problem with that. Um, So I actually quite like the what Ofsted is about and the things that they're looking for. Um, and they've made it really clear kind of what it is that they're looking for. But you're absolutely right. I mean, even if you're not being observed yourself, there's a sort of general feeling of, you know, if you're part of a team, the team is is kind of being investigated, not investigated, that sounds bad, observed. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think holding on to that idea that being observed, getting feedback is about making you a better teacher. Mm. Um, one teacher that I really... Uh, like who I follow on Twitter and he's written some books and things he says the phrase feedback is a gift and actually that's really true and if you're a student teacher you will be well um, Mm -hmm. versed in getting feedback lots of feedback all the time but every little bit of feedback is a potential has the potential for making you a better teacher even if it's Ofsted giving the feedback uh, the idea is we all want to be better at what we're doing for the sake of the kids that we're teaching Um, so holding on to the fact that feedback can make you a better teacher i think is the main thing
0: it's interesting you think about student teachers have been given many gifts in terms of feedback now we're near christmas classic gift time there's been quite a lot in the news this week about cancelling christmas Uh, a few people up in arms about various things as to what's happened before with christmas uh, amongst government um if we have to cancel the nativity that will be really sad this year uh can we cancel christmas is that what's happening in your school uh what's going on there
1: yeah, I mean, people are really, really keen for Christmas to be good this year, aren't they? And so keen, yes. People have been so excited. Um, I actually should have been going to a Christmas concert um, at seven o'clock tonight, um, and that's not happening now, just because it was too much of a, seen as too much of a, a risk. Um, and, yeah, I, I think some uh, heads and and leadership teams all over the country are having to make really difficult decisions. I'm glad it's not me deciding which things can happen and which things can't. Mm -hmm. Um, All through this pandemic, it's been the leadership team that have had to make hard decisions about keeping people safe. And um, our leadership team and leadership teams all over the country have been doing a great and incredible job of making those decisions and and doing the best by people. Obviously, that's going to be upsetting. And it's sad that one generation of kids doesn't have the um the opportunity to do that kind of thing to be in a nativity play to be in the school concert Mm -hmm. um but can you cancel christmas um i don't think so you we're finding ways to celebrate, even if we can't kind of all get together and do a go to a concert or whatever. You know, where there's secret Santas going on and there's Christmas trees going up in classrooms. Yeah. Um, Christmas is is finding ways of getting into yeah, into Tinsel is crawling out <laughs> of <to> the cupboards. <laughs> Absolutely, I've, yeah. I've actually got I've actually got a sparkly tie on because we've started the kind of Christmas <laughs> wardrobe kind of easing in um, even now. Um, I'm
0: pretty but, sure my socks say party today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely, and and obviously we know that. Point of Christmas, the message of Christmas, is much bigger and much more significant and much more kind of life changing than just is my little kid going to get to wear a tea towel on his head and pretend to be a shepherd? Um, and so, actually, you can't you can't keep that in. That's a story that's too good to to be able to cancel.
0: Who were you in the nativity play? Did you get to play a nativity play character?
1: I have a very distinct memory. I hope it's accurate of being the narrator. Brilliant. Uh, there was me and. I can actually remember the person's name, but I won't, I won't say it. Um, and I just, re- I remember getting my lines really wrong and kind of standing up when it was my go and then realising it wasn't my go and sitting back down and then oh, no. getting the other guy. So it's hideously embarrassing. I just remember. Oh
0: gosh, which probably was about 10 seconds
1: of anybody's life. Well, exactly. But, remember, <laughs> but you
0: remember it well. Yeah. I was um, Queen Elizabeth I, wow. which is a rogue character. Yeah, for, classic,
1: um, classic nativity character. One
0: year. Um, and... I was an angel now I think I was the angel Gabriel but I think that was because I had the biggest sheet Um, I think that's why I got the part not through any acting ability
1: did they winch winch you in from a height oh I wish
0: (laughs) I wish (laughs) no I was firmly planted on the parquet floor Mm -hmm. of the school hall Uh, now we are going to slide into an interview with Steve Begu, um, a primary teacher with plenty of years of experience, now at Christian Concern and the Christian Schools Trust, who has given us a brilliant um, interview thinking about why going into teaching as a Christian is worth it. Um, so have a listen to this. i start by saying thanks so much Steve for joining us today. It's really great to have a chance to chat through a few different things with you. Um, plenty of experience that you've got in the in the teaching sector as a primary school teacher and now working with Christian Concern and the Christian Schools Trust as well. Um, Why don't you just tell us a bit about your, I suppose, work history? Who are you? Where have you worked? Don't give us your whole CV, but a little bit. It would be really helpful just to place you.
2: Yeah, sure, Katie, that's fine. So um, I'm uh, 48 years old now and I can't believe that I was studying at um, Oxford Brookes University um, back in the 1995 to to be doing my my teacher training but I, I've got a lot of lot of memories both good and bad from that that season um from then I was I went into primary school teaching I became a deputy head I also became a church leader I became a chairman of governors I started up a preschool um and then became the principal of a school taught in special schools primary schools um and also done secondary teaching, so done a, quite a quite a range of things. Um, also been very interested in religious education, been involved in the SACRE, which is the Standing Advisory stand, Standing Advisory Council for Religious Education, which is also a great thing to be a part of. Um, but the most important thing I think is I'm I'm married. I've got three wonderful girls, and um, I love the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and it's great to be working for Him in the areas that I am in education.
0: Ah, oh, thanks so much. And yes, it's. It's true, isn't it, that we do a lot of work, but that is not the most important thing about our lives. It's the people that we're with and the Lord that we follow. Great to hear that. And I am really excited about having someone with so much experience and such a broad experience uh, talking to us. Many people listening to this will be just starting out, perhaps not even sure if they want to start out in teaching. Um, So it's great to be hearing from someone who has lived the life and who is able to say, it's possible, it's good, Mm -hmm. it's worthwhile, and so I suppose starting with the first question of uh, why go into teaching as a Christian? What's the point? Um, is it worth it as a Christian? Can we make a difference? Um, could you tell us a bit about your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, definitely, Katie. Um, it was very interesting when I um, was in sixth form and I was thinking, what does what does God want me to be doing? I, I still I hadn't decided really, but Um, I remember somebody saying, um, don't go into teaching if you like children. That's a really, really bad idea. (laughs) What what a a silly thing to say. What a stupid thing to say. Um, I actually quite enjoyed spending time with kids. I'd helped out in Sunday schools and uh, my cousins, whenever they would come over, I'd create games for them. We'd have a great time. I I used to love explaining things to them. And and I just really enjoyed all that kind of stuff. And as part of um, when I was a young adult as well, I got involved in in youth groups and, and that kind of thing. So I've always had this kind of motivation to To be with kids and to be explaining things to them and having fun together with them. And I realised there was kind of this motivational gifting inside of me. There was this gifting that was in inside of me that God had placed in there. And um, so the, the giftings that I had of being able to understand things and explain them combined with this desire to be with children and young people um, made me see, maybe God's put that in there. Perhaps that's... Uh, part of what God has planted in me that 's going to be purposeful for the future, and hang on a minute doesn 't teaching kind of line up with that, so there was a sense of a call of god so so why go into it? I think one of the reasons why is because you you sense a call of God through the kind of motivations and giftings and skills that he 's he 's given you and the other the other reason why is because it 's quite clear in the scriptures that we 're supposed to be involved in teaching um jesus with the with the great commission he says um therefore Go out into all the world and baptise people in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then make sure you're teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. So teaching is right there at the heart of the Great Commission that the church is called to. So why be involved? Well, Jesus has said get involved. And when he, when he had his 12 disciples, they were kind of teenagers, many of them. Some, some um, theologians think John was possibly around 13 years of age when he, he kind of joined that, that mm. happy band of people. So, um, you know, Jesus is really interested in discipleship, in teaching, in children and young people. And so why not get involved in that? Um,
0: mm, really helpful. Thanks, Steve. Well, interesting that you kind of talk about your calling and talk about God calling you but it actually being through skills and giftings and desires and interests I suppose um, many students I've spoken to have said oh I'm looking or I'm listening for God's calling Um, and it's tempting to just want a lightning bolt out of the sky to point on the school that you should be in or the the career area I don't know if it would sometimes point at mcdonald's or a particular place you're like aha that's where i should go and be and make my career mcdonald's do do very good career opportunities i (laughs) think um it's interesting you talk about it in terms of a skill set as well because teaching is a skilled profession isn't it i suppose one question just having off the back of that do you have to feel like you're made as a teacher um do you have to feel like you've already got it you you love kids and you know what to do with them and you're ready to go into a classroom right now um some people may feel actually that it's an inkling. Um, is it OK to go into this and kind of find your way and to, to kind of learn as you go?
2: I think there are all sorts of different types of teachers. There's all sorts of different subjects that need to be taught. There's all sorts of different ages that need to be taught. And there's a whole range of skills and giftings which are needed in schools, in different education settings. And I think a whole a whole variety of people um, can engage in that and feel, feel a sense of the, of the, the call of God through the giftings that they've got. So sometimes we have a particular model of what a teacher needs to be like that may not necessarily be who we are. Um, and we may be trying to, certainly as a student teacher, we think, I, I need to be just like that in order to be a great teacher. Well, I think we need to allow the Lord to be our teacher to demonstrate to us what kind of teacher he wants us to be that aligns with maybe the, the strong pastoral gifting that we might have that might lead us to be more involved in safeguarding support or other kind of pastoral care in a school. Or if if God has really um, allowed us to be very clear in our speaking, there may be kind of a more prophetic style of teaching, which is much stronger and sharper. And you don't have to be just a soft, fluffy, cuddly kind of person necessarily to be in the teaching profession. Um, there's There's a whole range of different sorts of people And um, if you're sensing maybe this is something I should be involved in, don't think, but I've got to be like that particular model because God has got a whole range and a variety of different um, giftings that he's given to people and different giftings he's given to you. And so allow the Lord to maximise the giftings he's given to you as you think through which age groups, which subjects, which kind of roles you might fulfil in a school.
0: Mm, that's really helpful. Thank you. And quick shout out to my primary school teachers, Mrs. Town and Mrs. Win Stanley. I could not be them, but I'm so <laughs> glad I still went into teaching. But they did an absolutely brilliant job um, with a headstrong 11 year old me.
3: Um,
0: <laughs> just thinking then, some Christian teachers will go into teaching hoping to change the world through the gospel in their schools. Um, very quickly, if you work in a state school, you, you realize that's not appropriate because you should be there to teach your subject. So if you're teaching biology, history, PSHE, there are always elements that come in from our worldview into life and what we teach. But but what do we do if we can't speak the gospel? If we find ourselves in a standard teaching job, in a standard classroom with standard children, and that's not currently our job, our job is to teach of mice and men or to teach year five history.
2: Yeah, great question. I like to look back at the life of Jesus when thinking about that question because... Jesus, you know, 12, 13 years old, um, going into his father's work, he actually did go into the carpentry work, um, which would have been more like a builder. And for 18 years before he was 30, he was engaged in that, not particularly speaking clearly of the kingdom of God, um, but living something out, which was clearly impressive to the people around him. Um, he was he was he was a notable person, but he wasn't notable for preaching the gospel. And so, if Jesus—if that's an example that Jesus gave to us—it's something that we also need to pay attention to. Certainly, for me as a as a young teacher going in, um, I think it was really important for me to earn trust and to become a trusted teacher in that community. They—they they knew I would, I would have good standards. I'd have high standards. I'd be on time. I'd be loving. I'd be friendly. I'd be a support to the management. Um, I'd be be all those kinds of things. I'd get good results from the children. I'd mark my books on time. Just be a great worker, somebody who's serving in that environment and somebody who people felt they could trust. And by doing that, by building that strength of relationship with people, therefore, I, I was trusted more and more. And so I could actually not just live it out, but actually speak it out a little bit more. And I could say... Um, do you know what? I'd love to remember you in my prayers about that kind of area. And that wasn't a strange thing that people thought, oh, who is this odd guy? They knew me. The parents knew me. The teachers knew me. I'd become a trusted member within that community. And I would take opportunities where um, things about the gospel, things about Jesus Christ could be spoken about. I took the opportunities to lead an assemblies. I took the opportunities when they were they were there to be able to to do that. And took the opportunities to be the RE coordinator in the primary schools where I was. I know certainly in secondary schools, there's a real struggle to find RE teachers and teachers of other subjects are often um, drawn in to be able to, to be involved in those kind of subject teaching areas where you can actually talk and potentially really authentically talk about about Jesus and, and Christianity, um, even amongst teaching about other things. So I think the key thing is to, to recognise that we can become trusted individuals in a school environment as we live out our faith, not necessarily with words, but through loving service actions, just being a great teacher, and then allow the Lord to open the doors, and then we just need to be bold to walk through those doors when those opportunities come up.
0: That is such a good way of thinking about it, thank you um as you were speaking, I was thinking that is how we live life, isn't it? We don't not do something, we don't not go on a bus, we don't not go to the shops, we don't yeah. not join something because we can't speak the gospel. We go and we join those things, we do those things, and we pray for opportunities actually we ask god to help us with those places and those people that we meet um yeah that's a much better way round of thinking about it it's easy to get that confused it's it's easy to think oh i I must do the one job as a christian that jesus talks about at the end of matthew when actually he was a carpenter for 30 years he did so much more than that um Thinking through then, this teaching life, um, we come, we spend quite a lot of time training and teaching, and quite a lot of time in schools, and um, quite a lot of time in the classroom as well. Um, is it all about just what you deliver in those hours, especially thinking, I suppose, for student teachers, those hours when they're observed, that final lesson they get to? Is that what the teaching life is about? These little um, episodes of delivering information? um or would you see teaching as broad and that bigger than that what are your thoughts on what teaching life is all about
2: wow yeah the teaching life i think it's it it's quite possible for teaching to totally take over all of your thinking i remember being a student teacher and i can remember thinking about daniel as i was going off to sleep and thinking about daniel as i was getting up in the morning um i've changed the name to protect the innocent it's okay <laughs> but how on earth am i going to discipline this guy how am i going to get him to do this mess and and what on earth, what am I going to do with with um, that year three class on handwriting? that I just can't. It just takes over everything, all, all of your thinking. And um, I had to learn to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ as I was going into the teaching profession, because it it did totally stress me out because I was thinking about nothing else. I had to learn to say, Lord, can you think about this so that I don't have to for a while? And of course, He can think about these kind of things and I can I'm allowed to put par- to partition my life to some degree and say actually this not ta- this is not the time for me to be thinking about these things as i'm going to sleep as i'm getting up immediately in the morning and it's really important to get your prayer life um <laughs> engaged uh, as you're going into teaching that you are talking to the lord at the start of the day handing things over to him saying i desperately need your help lord and at the end of the day thanking him for what's gone well leaving with him the stuff that hasn't and allowing the peace of god to come into your life so that your brain is not spinning around with all the different things Of teaching again, prayer is such a valuable thing. I would pray regularly for the children in my class outside of school time. I'd have on my my visor in my car. I'd I'd flip it down and I'd have a a, like a postcard thing on there with every every child's name on a different day. Seven or eight children each each day because I was a primary school teacher. I did it that way and. I would be praying for the kids and that would actually put peace in my spirit about the ones that were more challenging. And also I'd I'd start to sense God's love and care and ideas would come about how to handle those different children in those different circumstances. So that that prayer and sometimes prayer and fasting um, outside of the school environment did actually help put me in a place where I was someone who was relying on Jesus Christ for my energy, for my life, for my thinking for my planning, for my marking. You can engage your spiritual life thoroughly into all of that and then find a better sense of peace. But I have to say that was a constant learning, a constant working towards throughout my teaching career. And then when I was a deputy head and then when I was a a principal, it's something that you keep on growing in and you need to keep on learning how to engage that, that prayer life, that relationship with God so that your brain isn't constantly spinning with everything that's going on to do with your teaching.
0: Two really helpful points there that we do have to put in boundaries. We do have to say, actually, I'm finite. I can't be a teacher 24 hours of the day and, and hope to be OK at the end of term. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, um, there is so much more that God can do with us. If only we invite him into our teaching lives and, and allow him to work in that. And we do naturally think about these things outside of school. Um, I do plan things in my head over the weekend, ready for Monday. Yeah. Um, and so allowing God to be in that as well as we turn all that into prayer those are really helpful
2: yeah Um, i have to say i think my relationship with god grew more and exponentially during the time that i was doing my teaching practices than any other time before that so um you've got that to look forward to student teachers if you're um (laughs) listening
0: (laughs) it's good when it pushes us to pray isn't it is always good and can you tell me about just knowing knowing children outside of the classroom as well? There's, schools are communities, they're built for ways of interacting, not just in your hours that you have in secondary school or in your days that you have in primary, um, but in clubs, in extracurricular. Uh, what's your experience of the value of that? <laughs>
2: They are such valuable times when children, young people, are choosing themselves to come to outside of school activities, and you're choosing yourself to be there as well. Because there's a it's a different dynamic to it. It's not that the children are uh, you have to learn about haikus because we're doing about haikus, or you have to do trigonometry because that's what we're doing. They're actually choosing to be at the football club or the martial arts club or the. Christian Union or whatever it is, they've they've chosen themselves to come. And so there's a different kind of level of relationship that's there because you've kind of got a common interest together. And so engaging in those kinds of opportunities allows you to engage in a deeper level of relationship. And connection with with those kids that then, of course, the Lord can connect with them through you in those those kind of moments. And I've run football clubs and rugby clubs and cricket clubs and juggling clubs and Christian clubs and all sorts of things. And again, the the the, the kind of relationship and the, the connection you get with those kids is really, really valuable. Then when you see them in the classroom, again, it, it's kind of gone to a different level, your relationship and your ability to encourage them, your ability to to teach them your ability to 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 help them through the challenging circumstances that they've got in life goes to a whole nother level.
0: Mm, That's really helpful to remember. And that comes back around to one of the points you said earlier about being a trusted teacher in the community as well. Yeah. Being able to drive into those um, community moments in extracurricular activities as well. Not just being about your own classroom teaching. Um, it, It feels costly as a new teacher to do that sort of thing. Um, And certainly feels costly as a trainee teacher when you think I'm I'm only here for a few weeks. Um, But being involved and and allowing yourself to be more than just um, whatever you are in front of 30 kids. A time, yeah, I can see the worth in that.
2: And I think student teachers should cut themselves some slack. It's very hard to build a mm. deep, strong relationship when you're just whizzing in and out in the way that you are as a student teacher. So don't expect too much of yourself and too much of the relationship you can build. But particularly when you go into a job and you're, you've got that time and you've got lesson after lesson, potentially over years, with some of these, these children and young people, you've got, you've got that opportunity to build that kind of level of relationship.
0: Yeah, spot on. Thanks so much for your wisdom on all of this. Um, Steve, I wonder, with your position, with your work that you're doing at the moment, and I suppose with your, your extra time to think as well, I suspect you've got some really great things to say on, on this final question. What hope is there for being lights in this sector? I mean, that's we go into education because we want to see people's lives changed um, at the base of what most people say in teaching. There's very few people who say, I'm in it for the money or I'm in it for the job satisfaction alone. We want to see people's lives change. We want to change in people. And and so we're in this sector to bring light. Um, And as Christians, even more so. So what hope is there for being lights in this sector?
2: Light needs power. Light needs energy. And um, the Holy Spirit wants to empower you. Student teacher who's listening to this, the Holy Spirit wants to empower you to be the power so that you can be that light. It's not about drumming up something to be that light that you want to be it's about connecting yourself to the one who's got all the resources all the energy to shine through you and um the word of god says to us jesus says to us if you ask your heavenly father for the holy spirit he will give you the holy spirit he's not a, he's not a bad dad who would give a scorpion when his when the son's asked for a fish or a snake when you've asked for for bread or an egg or something. He'll give the Holy Spirit to you when you ask. So a daily prayer of mine right from the start of my teaching career was, Lord, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And knowing and believing that because I've prayed that, he promises he will fill me with his Holy Spirit. So I will be empowered to be that kind of light in my teaching, in my pastoral care, in my taking a club, in my conversation with the head teacher, in dealing with that really difficult pastoral issue, discipline issue. That the the empowering of the Holy Spirit will impact how I how I respond, how I how I engage with the, the other teachers and the, the students. So there's much hope about being a, a great light if we regularly come dependent before the Lord and say, I need your power to do this. I, I can't do this in my own strength. I need your power to come into me, to fill me, to then flow out from me so that I can be that kind of light.
0: Mm, and what an encouragement in a profession where people often feel stretched, people often feel like they don't have enough um, to be reminded, actually, that that in Jesus we do, we may not have any more hours in the day. We may not have any more human capacity, but we do have God who is able to give us power to to see us through the tasks that he's given us to do. Yeah, and If that's to t- keep turning up to school, to keep turning up to your lecture theater, to keep learning, to keep growing, to keep getting it wrong and, and improving. As well as doing those great lessons that you thought just sang yeah that's really that's really helpful to hear
2: and what you've said there about kind of there's a perseverance that is required there's a keeping on going that is required and again you can't just drum up that energy just from within inside yourself you need you need the lord to be to be with you and uh, the great commission says and teaching them um teaching them everything that I, i've taught you So that they will obey it and surely i am with you until the end of the age in other words you're not doing this by yourself you're not teaching by yourself i want to be alongside you through the presence of my holy spirit who is my very spirit it's who i am right there in you and with you so that becomes possible to be faithful and to be able to persevere and to keep going when it's tough oh
0: what wonderful words to hear Thank you so much for your encouragement in that. Um, Pleasure. On a cool winter's evening. Uh, those are warming words to my heart. So thanks so much, Steve.
2: That's great. Thank you. Thanks so much, Katie. It's a privilege to be able to spend some time with you today.
0: Mm, great to hear from Steve. and some really interesting things there. Um, a couple of things I was wondering about picking up on. Um, this idea of being made to be a teacher this idea that you have to kind of know your calling or somehow god's made you specifically for this career uh, gareth what did you think about that
1: yeah i think um the what it made me realize was that as i thought about my colleagues and different people that i've come to meet as i've been a teacher mm-hmm. there were just so many different ways of being a teacher and so many different types of people and uh there are quiet teachers and there are loud teachers and there are kind of wacky teachers and there are Teachers that are very methodical in, you know, all their lessons are the same, but in in lots of different ways, people bring what they have and they use it for the good of the kids that they're teaching. Um, and I just think what he was saying about, um, you know, looking at the gifts that God's given you and the skills that He's given you, um, there are so many different ways of putting gifts and skills together mm. to be an effective an, an effective teacher and someone who can make a difference um, in the lives of of young people um I mean I I think about as I went into teaching it was only a few years ago that I did my training um it was very much started off as a kind of practical consideration about the kind of job that I needed and Mm. that would work kind of personally um it was a job that I'd thought about doing years and years ago and and life took a different turn and I kind of thought I'd missed out and Mm -hmm. wasn't going to be able to make the change and then it was friends of mine that said well you know you've got this skill you stood up in front of people to talk and that's actually much harder than we think it is and you know mm. if you can do that then maybe you're halfway there um and uh it's going be tough audiences sometimes absolutely and you know I love explaining things I think I partly I love correcting people and, <laughs> uh, and my friends picked up on that too and then what I did was I went to visit a school and it wasn't until I got into a school and I was um I was actually with some year seven pupils um and I was just kind of in the room and then uh they were working on a problem and one of them turned around and went sir and like called me sir and I was like oh mm. that that feels right yeah. um, and that was it but it was a it was a real process of even getting into the classroom to see if see if that was right and I was thinking actually I still have days actually not even days I have lessons where I think I'm in the wrong job I've made the wrong decision yeah. and what I have to do is just get through that and then something else will happen and I think actually I have made the right decision mm-hmm. so this whole idea of um, how do you decide if you're meant to be a teacher I don't know that you ever do yeah, <laughs> you, yeah, kind yeah. Of, you just kind of see if it feels right if it fits and then you um yeah on a day-to-day basis you just have to keep looking for the um I guess confirmation that you're doing the right thing but there will be there'll be lots of it um yeah, I, I never certainly never had a, a kind of lightning bolt moment where you know God said you should be a teacher. Mm-hmm. I kind of figured it out by feeling and feeling along the way, trying things out, applying for things, mm. getting the getting the training course. And here I am. Yeah. <laughs> Although <laughs> saying that was a bit different for you, wasn't it? You did get the lightning bolt.
0: I mean, it, yeah, not specifically a lightning bolt. That is still something I'm waiting for. <laughs> but um at the end of uni, I was um, trying my hardest to get into media jobs. I've always enjoyed anything kind of production side, and so was applying for the BBC, not getting anywhere at all. I didn't really have the experience for it. I was just trying my luck, um, but also didn't have any good ideas as to what else I would do. Um, with a little bit of youth work background experience, and quite enjoying leading worship at church, but that doesn't really qualify me for being a teacher. And I'd always said because studying English literature means that the standard question you get is are you going to be a teacher then Um, and I just didn't like being told what to do so I said no but final term of uni God woke me up at about six o'clock in the morning which wasn't pleasant um but the only thought in my head and it was like a ringing alarm bell in my head was try teaching and I thought you know what if this is the only thought in my head maybe this is God speaking and so I said, OK, God, if it's you speaking, I will be a TA for a year and see how it goes. And at the end of that, I thought, if it's you speaking, I will apply for a PGC. And if I get it, I'll do it because I trust you to close the door as well. And I got it. Um, actually, I'd loved my year in as a TA in the school. I'd loved what I'd been able to do. I'd love the chances I'd had to kind of do a little bit of school of class teaching at times. Um, and similarly, didn't, I didn't love the process of training, but I knew it was right. I knew that God got me on the path that was right. Um, I'm not a teacher now, though. And so it was, in some senses, my calling, but not my lifetime calling. I'm now doing something which I also believe God has shown me to do. And uh, I think that's how it goes, isn't it? Now, thinking about um, that comment about extracurricular stuff, Um, kind of finding that balance of being in school being part of the community but also recognizing actually being a teacher is quite hard work and being in the classroom is quite important rather than just always being out on dv experience or always tripping across uh, the playground to go and do karate with your next class after school Um, what do you think about that how are you finding that as a relatively new teacher how are you finding that balance
1: yeah I mean one of the things I love most about being a teacher is that Yes, you have a job to do in terms of communicating information, checking that the kids have understood it, checking, you know, assessing them, all of that. But actually, you don't just impart information, you actually spend a lot of time kind of in each other's lives. And and one of the things I love is the the school community, that it's more than just um, a job to do. Mm. I think the danger is that when we say that teaching is more than just a job um, or teaching is a vocation, not just a job, that then we can believe that it then has a really unreasonable kind of demand on our time and our energy. And like, there are lots of other things in life that are equally good and good to spend our time and energy on. Mm. Um, But I love, I mean, I I've actually recently uh, become a school governor because I really love what our school is doing. And I love the idea of being involved in making decisions that are helping children, to succeed and to have the best kind of starting life that they can have and the best make the the widest number of choices available to them when they finish school um, but that takes time and it takes mm-hmm. extra energy and it takes extra mm-hmm. thought next week I've got to stay after school for a, a governor's meeting um, so I think all of us have got to make a decision about what we can give and what we what we need to save for our you know save for ourselves and save for our make sure our energy levels um, keep going
0: yeah and that's true isn't it for any degree um thinking like you can work super hard at your degree you can really go all out um will you have friends at the end of your degree will you have lived the life at uni i don't know um actually god gives us whole lives to live doesn't he and wherever we find ourselves work is good and work working hard for a time is is good um but neglecting the rest of ourselves um, is not always helpful um, for us, for those around us Um, and working out how to do that effectively in school when, then when it is a a job and you can be part of school community as your job. um, It's a bit like working out kind of how much time do you give to your hockey team at at uni? How much time do you give to church? um, How much time do you give to CU? How much time do you give to housemates? Um, There's always a balance to strike, isn't there? We're only ever, finite people
1: absolutely uh, finding
0: that and finding the right things for the right reasons is the key
1: yeah it's a constant it's a constant battle actually you know there's always more that you can do there's always the sense that I could work I could do some more planning I could work a bit harder on that I could do some more reading Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and it's just realizing that like you say we're human we're finite and we just have to there's points where you just have to say (laughs) I'm going to bed yeah This this is the end of today and I'll do some more tomorrow
0: yeah definitely now uh something that's coming through um from 10 uh, a really good bookseller not the only one out there but they're great uh, they're going to give us a review on a book which might help with this exact topic so have a listen to this
3: i have several teacher friends and if you're anything like them you'll have one word that sums up how they feel 90 percent of the time which is tired between work and the upheaval of the last couple of years, not to mention keeping up any sort of devotional life, trying to keep on top of church commitments and family life. I mean, it's no wonder that so many of us are feeling so close to burnout if we weren't there already. Living for Jesus is something that we often feel we would love to do and yet so often our zeal for him and his work, it dims and diminishes in the face of near constant busyness and stress. And that's why Christopher Ash's little book, Zeal Without Burnout, is so valuable. He reminds us of a biblical truth that we so often neglect. He reminds us that we are creatures made from dust. And he does that not in order to make us feel small, but in order to show us how to sustainably serve Jesus, regardless of our circumstances. And he writes as someone who was a teacher before he entered ministry, so he knows the sorts of challenges that you might be facing in your workplace and the challenge of balancing work and living out your faith. You can get Zeal Without Burnout for only £5.99 at 10ofthose.com forward slash teach.
0: Oh, great to be here for our first podcast I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, coming up over the next term we're going to be thinking through some ways of uh, getting into God's word as we travel uh, with a few guys who are going to come along and just speak some truth to us. Really great for traveling along on your bus or your train or on foot or in car however you get to your placements or onto uni. Um, as always, you're able to contact us through teaching at uccf.org.uk. We'd love to hear what you thought about this. Love to hear about your responses. Love to hear questions you've got or topics you'd like to hear chatted about in the future. Um, and don't forget that if you are coming to Word Life, you can come and see the Teaching Network in person how exciting or if you're a student and you've not booked on yet with your Christian Union uh, do have a look into that search out your Christian Union on campus and um, chat to the people who are organizing and see if you can come along many discounts to be had many more books to buy much great teaching to hear and plenty of sea maybe some sunshine you never know uh, Gareth thanks so much for being with us today um, what are you going on to this evening apart from just a steady Friday night
1: oh. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been been lovely to be on. Um, I am going to leave school. (laughs) I'm going to go home. Uh, I'm going to treat myself to a Greg's Vegan Festive Bake on the way home. Um, And then, yeah, it will be box set and bed. (laughs) Excellent.
0: Good plan. And I will do something rather similar, I think, perhaps minus the Greg's, but certainly horizontal and sofa is the aim. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. Do let us know your thoughts and see you again soon. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to this podcast from UCCF's Teaching Network. If you want to hear more, follow us on Instagram at UCCF Teaching Network. Head to our website, teachingnetwork.uk, or send us an email at teaching at uccf.org.uk. And don't forget to share this podcast with your teaching friends. Bye.